Welcome to the Taking the Lead podcast, where we empower people to be unstoppable. I'm Christine Hapner with my co-hosts, Leslie Hoskins and Timothy Cunio. It has been such a busy fall month. I just had my last wedding of this season. (laughs) I feel like all I've talked about is this wedding, that wedding, this wedding. But this one was down in Ohio. um, And it was a beautiful weekend. Um, It was outside. So thankfully it was not snowing (laughs) or anything like that. That's risky to do an outdoor wedding this time of year. Yeah. And it was hot. Like I dressed in a fall, like fall outfit and I was like very warm. Yeah. So, but it was, it was nice. I am glad to be home. Next weekend is like the first weekend I'm going to be home. That's good. Being home is nice. We spent the weekend kind of doing things in the yard, trying to do some leaves, all that good stuff. We are prepping. We are having a bunch of friends come over um, soon, like 18 people staying at my house. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So we've got a lot of prep work to do trying to figure out where everybody's going to go and what everybody's going to do. Are they all sleeping over? Yes. Wow. Yes. I mean, eight of those are kids. Okay. So there's small little bodies we can all fit in one room. Yes. Um, lots of air mattresses. Lots of air mattresses. I think it'll be interesting. The youngest is almost two. We'll be two soon. Um, and then the oldest, goodness, I think is maybe 10, 8, 9, somewhere in there. So we've got a full range. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is a lot. And my poor little Zachary is the only boy. Oh, no. I know. It's all girl. He's surrounded by girls in every aspect of his life. So hopefully he'll make a really good husband someday. Yeah. (laughs) If if he so chooses. If he so chooses. you know, that's how my uh, brother was. He had two older sisters. Yeah, that's good. We used to dress him up in dresses and stuff. It's oh, normal. No. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. He hasn't quite figured it out yet. He loves it. So, Timothy, what are you up to? Uh, right now, I'm sitting in uh, South Carolina by a lake called Lake Hartwell in Anderson, South Carolina. So, uh, we climbed up here about two days ago and sitting in a trailer and Glacier's got to play in the lake a couple of times already and... Uh, the weather's perfect, of course, and a uh, little warm in the afternoon, but cool in the morning, so having a great time. That's awesome. Yes. And then we'll be gearing up for the holidays. Oh, man. Yeah. You guys, I'm not ready. Like, this year has blown. Can you believe, like, in January, we started this podcast? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That January. is crazy. We're going to be celebrating one year. Soon. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. We'll have to have a big celebration. Yes, we'll have to have a celebration. I was thinking about that earlier this morning about that. What should we do? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we're going to have to start planning that. All right. Well, we got a little time. We'll (laughs) we'll get on that. Send us any ideas or suggestions, people. Well, today is pretty exciting because our guest is a longtime leader dog client who has just received his third leader dog. Yes, Mark Harris lives in Roanoke, Indiana with his wife of 54 years, and they have three children and eight grandchildren. He's a registered investment advisor managing portfolio for private partnership. He was born with a hearing impairment and in 1982 was diagnosed with Usher syndrome. He now has five degrees of his sight. Good morning, Mark, and welcome to the podcast. For everybody who doesn't know, what is Usher syndrome? Well, Usher syndrome is, is, uh, affects both hearing and vision. Uh, sometimes it affects that person's balance, uh, they can lose their balance, so on and so forth. Um, the major symptoms are uh, deafness and hearing loss and eye disease. 
uh, called retinitis pigmentosa. It's interesting that uh, 4 to 17 per 100,000 people are affected by this syndrome. And it's a genetic syndrome. And uh, it's interesting, I found out that I was hard of hearing uh, at a, after I was born because my brother, who was seven years older than I was, uh, actually had the same disease. In fact, he, uh, before he passed away in 2015, uh, he was totally blind. And, and that, at the age he was then, I am at this point, and I still have five degrees of sight. So I've been blessed in, the, in having sight for however long I need, will have it, so... That's interesting. Even in, you know, the same family that these types of things impact people so differently. That's one thing we say all the time is that, you know, vision is so tricky. And even if you're diagnosed with the exact same condition and maybe even your acuities are the same, you experience blindness so different. Um, It impacts everybody a little bit differently. So that's really interesting. So you and your brother both had Usher's syndrome. Um, Anybody else in your family, like in your... um, Parents, grandparents, anybody like that? I have a sister who uh, does not have ushers, and uh, and it's my understanding that it does sometimes generate through males more than females. Oh, okay. So, but I'm, that's just my understanding. I'm not sure that's accurate or not. Very interesting. So, Mark, you're on your third leader dog. How did you find leader dog originally? Well, um, I was a, a lion member in my hometown in Richmond, Indiana, and uh, so I was familiar with leader dogs through that lion's organization. Um, actually, at the time, uh, I decided to to get a dog. Um, I had looked at several different schools, and uh, I was very impressed with leader dogs in terms of its professionalism, its facility and most impressed that they raise their money to fund clients like myself that I don't have to pay a dime. And uh, that was just very impressive to me. Uh, I, I recently met someone here in Fort Wayne that uh, has a leader dog, and uh, she was quite frustrated with the dog. The dog had not performed to what she wanted. And she told me that she's ready to get a new dog, but she was going to go to California. And uh, so I kind of cringed at that point and really wasn't in a situation where I could sit down with her and talk to her about it. But uh, if you do your research, if you do your, you know, due diligence, you'll find that leader dog comes out on top. That's very kind of you to say, Mark. Um, You know, it's really interesting, a couple different things. One, you know, everybody picks different guide dog schools or guide dog organizations based on their needs. Everybody has their strengths and things that they really excel at. So it's really good to do your research and find the organization that fits your needs. Um, And sometimes, listen, I get it, a trip to California, why wouldn't you? Um, But people forget how beautiful Michigan is here. It's absolutely stunning. We have all the seasons, which is absolutely great. But 
Another thing I wanted to chat about was uh, you said that you were a Lions Club member, and so many of our episodes always come back to the Lions Club. They're huge supporters for us. They really help us be able to provide these services completely free to our clients. Um, And it's so interesting to me all the time that, uh, you know, lions are kind of like the feet on the street. So many times we hear like, how did you find Leader Dog? And it's, oh, well, I was at dinner one night and the lion walked up to me and said, hey, have you ever heard of Leader Dog? or things like that. But so many of our clients then become uh, lions. But you're saying yours happened in the reverse order. So you were a lion and then kind of became a leader dog client. That's so cool. Well, we are so delighted. And thank you so much for all of your work that you've done as a lion as well. So Mark, you say you've, you've got your third dog and I'm on my first dog. Her name's Glacier. And so what was the Reasons your other two dogs were, did they retire because of medical reasons or did they retire because they just said, hey, I'm done with this? And what were the signs if they did retire that way? That's an interesting question because I I was told when I got my first dog in 2005 that, you know, you'll, you'll know when it's time for your dog to retire. And, of course, that's a pretty general statement that I didn't really know know what to expect. Um, but uh, my first dog, Callie, uh, was a lab. Uh, she worked for uh, 11 years, and uh, she passed away after she was 14. And so um, basically, she she was, uh, you could see it in her. Uh, she would be a little slower about getting up and ready to go out when we have to go out and do work and or she didn't want to jump into the car as quickly as as she did when she was younger um and then she started having some uh health issues that was uh causing her to you know slow down quite a bit and uh with my second dog it's interesting that what i found with her was you know when we first went together she was a go get her and she was moving and she was moving very quickly and and uh, sometimes I had to catch up with her but uh, generally um, when we got to the point of she was seven eight years old uh, I could see that she was slowing down and I couldn't figure out why and come to find out she had arthritis and uh, in her spine and in her back and so if I was walking ahead of her, she would stop until she caught up with me, and then we'd move on. So, you know, there, it, every dog's different, and I expect the, you know, people have different stories as to how they realize it's time for the dog to go. But you, you, you know it. You realize it when the, when the time comes. I love that. People always say, like, how do you know when it's the one, like when you're getting married? And until you, I, seriously, I, I used to hear that all the time of like, when you know, you just know. And you're like, whatever. I don't know about that. And then it happens. You're like, oh, yeah, I guess I kind of get it. It sounds like it's the same thing. You guys have heard that. Yes, I have heard that many right? times. So I feel like that's kind of the same thing because that's something that everybody's always so nervous about is like, how will I know when my guide dog is done, when they're ready to retire? And it sounds like that's the case. You just, you know. Well, it is kind of like a relationship. You form that bond. So I guess I will give you that. Thank you. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. 
I have already started thinking about my holiday shopping, and one thing on my list is getting gifts from Leader Dogs for the Blind gift shop. That's great, and guess what? You're in luck because for the month of November and December, if you use code taking the lead, you'll get free shipping. But remember, you can only use one code per order. This is amazing news. I am heading to leaderdog.org and clicking shop right now. So um, we also hear that it, the hardest transition is from first guide dog to second guide dog. You now are on to your third. Would you say that's true? Or would you say that, you know, obviously each time is so difficult? I have found that, you know, each dog has their own personality. And they, they show it in, in different ways. Uh, for example, my first dog, uh, Callie, was, uh, you know, she, as a puppy, you know, I get her before she's two years old, so she's still a puppy, and uh, she's very energetic and ready to go, and and Callie was very curious, uh, even though she uh, she was somewhat standoffish when people would come off, up to me. She would get to my side real close and get behind me. Uh, she was not a overly social dog so um you know the transition to from her to my second dog was interesting because my second dog was raised in a prison and so she had a lot of the environments of the prison and some environments she would not you know privileged to like flying in a plane or taking long trips in a car and that kind of thing but she um, she was very strong and very uh, disciplined, um, but it was a, a more sociable dog. She enjoyed people coming up to her and talking to her and and uh, petting her when I'd let them pet her and so on and so forth. And it's interesting on the third one now, uh, Ivy. Uh, she's a very very uh, loving, caring type dog. Uh, very sociable, uh, very disciplined. Uh, of course, you know, I've only had her two months now, and she'll be two in December. And it's interesting that she still has a lot of energy. Um, I, I will say this, though. It, it's not so much the transition with the dog as it's much of me transitioning to the dog. In other words, what I'm saying is that um, she's got so much energy and I'm 10 years older than I was when I got the last <laughs> one. <laughs> so it's not, I, I, I have to come up with more energy to stay up with. But, um, uh, Izzy is a very, uh, kind, uh, caring dog. She, she likes attention. Uh, she and Hannah, who is my second dog, are getting along very well. They play and uh, they have a routine every morning that they have to do their, uh, playing with each other and running around the house and so on and so forth. And, uh, but they get along very well. Can you tell us about what that's like bringing home a new guide dog to your older guide dog? That's always something too that we hear is a concern or people are nervous that their other guide dog's going to be very sad when they leave the house with their new guide dog or that the dogs won't get along or anything like that. Can you tell us how that has gone for you? That has gone very well. I don't Anna, my second dog, she's a retired dog. She's happy staying home, I think. Uh, she doesn't show any any uh, signs of uh, sadness or that kind of thing. She does get excited when we come home. She's ready to play. 
um, you know, it's like they're communicating to one another. Well, what do you do today? So on, so so forth. And uh, so I have not, in, in both cases, my first dog and my second dog, I've not experienced a sadness or a, uh, discouragement or anything of that sort. Uh, in fact, with Hannah, with her health issue, uh, she's more energetic now. She's uh, running around. She's doing things that she wasn't doing before. So um, I don't, I have not had the experience of a bad experience or a disappointing or discouraging, disappointed uh, experience with, with either dog. That's good to hear. I've never heard of it going poorly or that dog's being sad because like you mentioned, you know, Hannah told you she was ready to retire. She was slowing down. She was in pain. She has had arthritis. She was ready for that next phase of her life. Um, but I know that's something right. that a lot of people are really nervous about, you know, and rightfully so. I totally get it. It's probably more of a situation that more of an impact on me as a, as a client mm-hmm. than it is for the dog itself. I mean, of course, there was emotional situation with me, and, you know, I was excited about going to leader dog to get a new dog, but at the same time, I was, you know, saddened that I'm retiring a dog. But uh, I would say I had more of an impact than the dog did. Well, Mark, you got eight grandchildren. That's four more than I've got. I don't know how you do it. Uh, so how's that interaction with the new dog and the old dog with the grandkids? I mean, I guess they get to play with the, the older dog now more than the interactions ought to be, you know, loosened up a little bit. Uh, I was thinking about that question uh, in the last couple of days, and I wanted to ask my granddaughters who live here in Roanoke that question, uh, but I haven't had a chance to do that. But I would say that they were more excited about seeing a the new dog <laughs> and they, you know, the energy, the, the, uh, the attention that the new dog was giving to them was exciting. Um, and each child had a different, uh, my impression is each child has a different, uh, perspective of a dog. I think the fact that Hannah was raised in a prison was a little more discipline in her uh, manners and so on and so forth, that kind of didn't give the grandkids the kind of excitement they had about Izzy, who was very energetic, wants them to play with her and so on and so forth. Um, but um, the, the one thing that's interesting here is that uh, my daughter, my the grand, the mother of my, my grand, four granddaughters, um, is has four dogs. Oh wow! So when we get when we go over to their house and we have Hannah and Izzy and their four dogs, uh, all the tension is on the dogs running around the house. Oh, I bet <laughs> having a Just good a, time. That's big a dog pack. party. And Mark, um, yeah. did you you know with your grandkids as they got older and all of that? Did you do they understand what your dogs are? That they are guide dogs. They, uh, my daughter was, and I have spent a lot of time with my grandchildren trying to explain to them why the dog is, why I have the dog and what the dog does. And so because we go out for dinner or I'm going to an athletic event of one of my kids 
playing volleyball or tennis or whatever it may be, uh, they see how the dog works. And uh, so they, you know, they understand it once they, you know, see the dog working. Uh, they understand very clearly the, the disease I have and my limitations and are very, very good in, in helping me in situations where I might be in a situation where the dog doesn't actually see something that they should see, and they will remind me that the dog, you know, needs to uh, do this and that. And the one thing that I find very interesting is that when people go through doors, they go through the left door instead of the right door. And the dogs are trained to go on, to change sides, depending on which side the door opens. And so I, I get frustrated because, you know, the dog's on my left side and somebody opens the door on the right side, I have to stop and turn, uh, have the dog come around to my right side so the dog doesn't get hit by the door. Uh, that is something that's hard to train people with, even my grandchildren. Uh, they'll forget that. But, uh, you know, people next, I don't understand it because, you know, you always, we drive on the right side. We, we walk <laughs> on the right side, but we don't open doors on the right side. And <laughs> so that's a little frustrating at times. So for anybody listening who's kind of confused by that, our, our uh, handlers are instructed to have the dog go um, through the door opposite of the hinge side so that they're furthest away from the hinge so that there's no accidents of tails getting caught in the door or anything like that. Um, and so if the door's opening the opposite way, then you have your dog, you have to have the dog go around is the command and come around the other side. And it's just kind of a safety feature. But yeah, that would be really frustrating. I hadn't honestly really thought about that, Mark, but that does take time to kind of stop and go around and do that. Um, so interesting. Well, I had a situation with my second dog where I was there at school and we went out for dinner and, and uh, most doors that open left and right have a, a pull down the middle. And this was that night, this was that night and I didn't see the, the door and the person who was kind of behind me didn't make me aware of it. And so I ran into it. So. I'm very, I'm very, uh, very reluctant to go through doors like that. Excuse me. And uh, I'm going to sneeze here in a minute. But anyway. <laughs> uh, it happens. Um, anyway, so I'm very reluctant to go through doors that have a post in there. And sometimes the dog is trying to figure out which side they want me to go on. Mm -hmm. So, and uh, so. That, that's a little frustrating. So, Mark, I have a question. You've, you know, this is your third dog. Do you see yourself ever getting another dog? I know you just uh, got it. It's been two months. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, I, I, that's a great question because that was a question I raised myself. I mean, I'm 74 years old and, you know, it's, things panned out, I'd be 80 years old when I get my next dog. Um, I think it's just it's the circumstances of what kind of health you're in and whether you have the uh, the mentality to be able to 
work with the dog? That was the question I kept asking myself before I got Izzy. I, and my wife and I talked about it, you know, uh, am I going to be able to um, work with the new dog in the way I did with the second and first dog? And uh, it's different. You know, we all age. We all uh, have different lifestyles. We all have different uh, ways of doing things. And so to answer your question, I think that's the question that, it's very important for an older person uh, that's important to consider before you get the dog. Uh, because if you're not going to pay the attention, if you're not going to be disciplined in working with the dog, then why have the dog? I mean, it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. So you got to be willing to make that transition and be able to, to uh, pay the attention to it. Now, as to whether I'll get another one, it just all depends on what kind of health I'm in and what my mental attitude is at that point. Yeah, I appreciate that insight. You know, being a seasoned traveler there and a seasoned guide dog user, you understand the amount of work that goes into it. It's a lot physically. It's a lot mentally. It's a lot emotionally. So being able to really you know, self-evaluate and recognize if that's the right fit or not is really important. So... I think that's amazing and a really good point. Uh, it, it's interesting. And, and I know Tim was at my uh, celebration. Uh, and one of the things I mentioned, they asked for people to make comments. And one of the comments I made was that each time I get a dog, there's a different perspective of leader dog and, and dogs in general and my, my attention to them. And the one thing that I think as client, particularly a third client or a fourth or fifth, is that we don't realize sometimes the transition that the dog makes because the dog goes through four different steps before they get to me and before we are working uh, on a regular basis. So the impact is more on me than it is the dog when you stop and think about it because I have to make the adjustment. I have to make the adjustment to work with the dog that I have gotten because each dog has a different personality, different way of doing things. And uh, so if I'm willing to make that adjustment, if I'm willing to put up with the the, uh, the silliness of the dog and so on and so forth, um, then, you know, then you want to move on. You want to get that another dog. But that was the question I asked myself very closely. Uh, before I got this dog and talked to my wife about in quite detail. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for joining us today and sharing your story and your experiences. We really appreciate all the insight. Can I can I mention one more thing? Of course. Okay. One of the things that I shared with the team that worked with uh, my class um, was that, you know, they spent a lot of time training these dogs, um, you know, teaching them the command. And then we come on site and then they're working with us and teaching us what the dog can do and how the dog can work and, and so on and so forth. Uh, one of the comments I made was that I think it's very important to understand, and there's not a criticism to the, 
the instructors and stuff. This is just a, this is really a compliment. And that is that what the trainers and the instructors are doing has a bigger impact on us as clients because we can do things that we've never done before. We're capable of getting a new job or we're capable of going to places that we've never been before. In fact, uh, my first dog, Callie, we took a cruise in the Caribbean and so for 14 days. So Callie got to visit new other countries, different people. She got to ride on a boat in the ocean, so on and so forth. So, you know, dogs go through their transition. But me as a client, I go through transition as well. And sometimes it's good, sometimes it's challenging, and sometimes it's perfect. In my case, because of my attitude, and I'm willing to work with the dog and willing to learn, uh, I've not had any bad experience. So I wanted to share that, 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 that people with leader dog are a class act, uh, all the way from uh, the people who clean my bedroom when I'm there to the people who's in the residence hall to the cafeteria people, and most of all, the instructors. And my three instructors, Sue and Kate and Linda, are just absolutely fabulous people, and they are a real class act. Well, thank you for sharing that. We could not agree more. Uh, we are so fortunate to work with an amazing team at Leader Dog in every department, in every aspect. Um, we say it all the time, but everybody's there truly for the mission, um, no matter what the role. And it's a very unique place to work. And so thank you for sharing that. That's very, very kind. And we will certainly pass along those sentiments to our wonderful uh, Guide Dog Mobility instructors and team. But thank you, everyone, for listening to the Taking the Lead podcast. I'm Leslie Hoskins with hosts Timothy Cuno and Christina Hebner. We hope you enjoyed learning about Mark's story. Please join us next week as we continue to dive into the world of blindness. And if you'd like to learn more about applying to our free services at Leader Dog, you can head to leaderdog.org or call us at 888-777-5332. And don't forget, you can reach us at takingthelead@leaderdog.org with any questions or ideas. If you like today's podcast, make sure to hit subscribe and check us out wherever podcasts stream.